Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to share your word this evening. We are praying, Lord, that you will teach us by your spirit and that you open our eyes of understanding to understand what you are teaching us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are still on dynamics of faith. This is part three. Last week we were <clears throat> looking at the importance of where we look and the language of faith that gives only good report that says what God says regardless of what people are saying or what is happening. This evening we want to do what the scripture says to do in 1 Timothy 4, 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. The scripture says, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, then you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast Attain. So we need to put ourselves in remembrance of some things that are very crucial points that will help us to walk in faith. We need to refresh our memories on two points, and we go ahead and mention two other points we hadn't mentioned before. But we need to refresh our memories on two points that are very important. If we want to walk in faith, knowing that the only way to live the Christian life is by faith. In Jesus Christ alone. And the only way to please God is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Without faith, it is impossible for any man to please God. And the only way not to live a sinful life is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And the only way to defeat the devil is by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Anything else is pure religion from human mind. It's just pure religion because Jesus Christ, faith in him, is our victory. So, what we look determines if we walk in faith or doubt and unbelief or whether we walk as Christians or not, whether we please God or not. Every Christian should be interested in pleasing God. And if the Bible says without faith you can't do that, you will be very interested in finding out really how to live a life of faith. Let's take an example of how where we look affects our life and determines whether we walk in faith or in doubt and determines how our life even turns out. Let's take this example in Genesis 30 from verse 25. Genesis 30 from verse 25. Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Please release me so I can go home to my own country. Let me take my wives and children, for I've earned them by serving you. And let me be on my way. You certainly know how hard I have worked for you. Verse 27. Please listen to me. Laban replied, I have become wealthy, for the Lord has blessed me because of you. Verse 28. Tell me how much I owe you, whatever it is, and I will pay it. Jacob replied, you know how hard I have worked for you and how your flocks and hearts have grown under my care. You had little indeed before I came, but your wealth 
has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything I have done. But now, what about me? When, when can I start providing for my own family? 31. What wages do you want? Laban asked again. Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing. And I will continue to tend and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goods that are speckled or spotted along with all the black sheep. I will remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted, along with all the black sheep. Give these to me as my wages. In the future, when you check on the animals you have given me as my wages, you will see that I have been honest. If you find in my flock any goats without speckles or spots, or any sheep that are not black, you will know that I've stolen them from you. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you say. But that very day, Laban went out and removed the, the male goats that were streaked and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, or had white patches, and all the black sheep. He placed them in the care of his own sons, who took them a three-day journey, three journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took some fresh branches from poplar, almond, and plain trees and peeled off strips of bark, making white streaks on them. Then he placed these peeled branches in the watering trough where the flocks come to drink, for that was where they mated. And when they mated in front of the white strict branches, they gave birth to young that were strict, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated those lambs from Laban's flock, and at mating time he turned the flock to face Laban's animals that were strict or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's. 41. Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob would place the peeled branches in the watering trough in front of them. They, then they will mate in front of the branches, 42. But he didn't do this with the weaker ones. So the weaker lands belonged to Laban, and the stronger ones were Jacob's. As a result, Jacob become, became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, male and female servants, and many camels and donkeys. This story is interesting because Jacob said, I've served you. He married this man to uh, two, two girls, two daughters. I said, I've served you. It's time for me to go uh, to start my own family and to care for my family. And then the, the, the man said, okay, no, you know, I've been blessed because you came. Uh, since you came, I've really been blessed. And they said, can you work more for me? Let me pay you whatever you want. And then Jacob said, okay, I work for you. But on the grounds that you, you, I will take away all the black sheep, all the spotted sheep and goods, and then those will be my, my wages. Those will be what you pay me. 
But these are the ones that are not spotted and things. They'll be your own. And so if in future you see among my own that there are ones that are not spotted and strict, then you know I have stolen them from your, from your ship. And Laban agreed. And then he separated from all that ship. He separated all of his own and sent them to their journey away uh, from, um, from Jacob. And Jacob said, okay, fine. So he went and took, cut off branches of almond tree and peeled the back to make stripes, stripes, to make stripes. And then he will put it where the animals uh, met. Remember that Jacob had, uh, Laban, his father-in-law, had played him and had removed all the ones that should have, that should have made these this animals to produce strict and striped black animals. He had removed them. So what Jacob did was he would bring this almond and peel the back and make stripes. And we put them where the animals come to drink. And that's where they mate. And then the animals will be looking at these branches that is stripped. They'll be looking at it. And when they mate and they produce, they produce after what they were seeing. They produced after what they were seeing. I want to read this verse again. Verse 34. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you say. 35. But that very day, Laban went out and removed the male goods that were strict and spotted. All of them, all the female goods that were speckled and spotted or had white patches and all the black sheep. Now, this is what Jacob says, this should be mine. But this man went and removed them. Removed them. So he left Jacob with virtually no chance of raising, of having sheep that would be speckled and spotted. So he removed them. And in verse um, 35, but that very day, Laban went out, removed the male goods that were strict and spotted, all the female goods that were speckled and spotted, or had white patches, and all the black sheep. He placed them in the care of his own sons, who took them three days' journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Lebanon's flock. Jacob said, let me have these ones that are speckled, striped, black goods, and when they agreed, this man played the first one. He, he went and removed all the goods and animals that are black and, and speckled and gave it to his children, and they took them three days' journey away. So Jacob had no means of raising what he has said would be his, his uh, wages. But he didn't know that God had given this man knowledge beyond human being, that what you see is what you become. And so God, he, he cut off this tree and stripped them and put them where these animals met. And then Jacob took some fresh, that is 37. Then Jacob took some fresh branches from poplar, poplar almond and plant trees and peeled off strips of bark, making white streaks on them. Then he placed these peeled branches in the watering trough where the flowers came to drink, for that was where they mated. And when they met it in front of the white streaked branches, they gave back to young that were streaked, speckled, and spotted. The Jacob separated those lambs from Lebanon's flock 
And at mating time, he turned the flock to face Laban's animals that were strict or black. So you see, those ones that he even, he even claimed to be his own that were strict and black, Jacob would take his own animals to face them. Face them. So as they were looking at those animals that were strict and, 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 and spotted, they were producing the same type of animals. And when they mated in front of the white strict, I sorry, verse, uh, verse 40, Jacob separated those lambs from Laban's flock, and at mating time he turned the flock to face Laban's animals that were strict and black, or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's. So you see, by what these animals were seeing, they were producing after what they were seeing. They were producing after what they were seeing. The Bible says that the things of old were written for us to learn. That where you look, you're going to produce after what you are seeing. Many people don't take this serious, but it doesn't mean it will save you from being affected by what you see. So, the enemy knows that, and he tries to refocus us away from where God tells, told us to look. He focuses us as the challenges we have, the problem we have, and all those things, and then where our life turns out like that. It's a simple thing. Our life turns out like that. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord. When we begin to focus on Jesus, then we are changed to be like him. So where you look is important. Very, very important where you look. If you look at what the enemy wants you to see, and that's not what Jesus said where you should look, your life will turn out like that. If all you talk about is sin and sin and sin and sin, you'll be looking at it. You'll be very sinful. You're not going to be free of sin. Everything you look at will influence you. Everything you focus on will finally influence you, influence your mind, and you start believing it. And then your life begins to produce after that. You know, and so, uh, somebody asked and said, what does it mean to, be, to behold the glory of God? The glory of God is God's life, is the God's power, is the totality of who God is, what he does. And, and you know, the, Jesus is, is, is a, full, a, a full representation of God. He is if, if God, if God, he plays God to live in him in fullness. He is the, he's a, a manifestation of God here on earth. So when you see Jesus, you see the Father. You see Jesus, you see the glory of God. You see Jesus, you see the full glory of God. The Bible says it pleased the Father to dwell in him in full manifestation. He's the full manifestation of God in the visible form while he was here on earth in his human form. So you can see the glory of God in Christ. In John 5, 39. You cite the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. The whole Bible points to Jesus. The scriptures point to Jesus. 
the glory of God. Colossians 1.27, to whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the glory of God. To have to, the only hope to have glory is to have Christ in us. I want to make a statement and I want you to listen to me. It's important that you are more spirit conscious than body conscious. It is very important that you are more conscious of the spirit part of you, Christ in you, the new man you are, that you are more conscious of these things than you are of the physical part of you. If you are not more conscious of the spirit part of you, the devil will eat, it's cheap for him to move you away from where God says you should look to where you are more conscious of the physical things. It will be cheap. There won't be any resistance, really. Because you, you are not very conscious of the spirit part of you. You are not very conscious of Christ in you. You are not very conscious of the new man you are. First John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, I have become and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How can anybody fight spiritual battles and win who is not conscious of the greater one? Who is the reason? The reason for which he overcomes this one. How can anybody have spiritual victory who is not conscious of the reason? The reason for which he is having victory. Christ in you. Ephesians 3.15 that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. I mean, does, does the Christian, is he even aware of the inner man? We just talk about being born again and that's it. That's all. Now, now I'm born again. Now I'm living a Christian life. Trying to be holy, pleasing God. Most of the sermons we preach does not point the Christian to Jesus. Does not point the Christian to what Christ did in his life. No. It's legalism, it is laws, it is regulations, it is you, you must do this and this and this and this. There is no focus on Christ and what he achieved on the cross for the Christian. That is Christianity. This other one is religion. Coming from human mind. We are witnesses. The church will be witnesses of Christ, not witnesses of human beings. We should be witnessing about Jesus, the glory of God, the awesome power he displayed on the cross in crushing the enemy, in making us new creation. The power of his blood. We should be witnessing about that. That's, that's things on which our faith should be. We must be aware of his presence in us. And we must know his presence. This beholding him. Behold, you don't see him outside. He's in you. He's in me. We must be aware of Christ in us. The reason for victory over sin, over the flesh. The greater one. 
because of the greater one. We have overcome this world and anything that comes against us in this world. So we must, the Christian must be aware of the presence of the greater one in him. I must be aware again of the new man that God has made him to be. Let me say again. We, we, are more, we, are, we are more interested in the gifts of the spirit, you know, power gifts, healing gifts, gift testimony. It's wonderful, wonderful. The church, you have them manifest them. But I want to say something. The, the greater work of the kingdom is the internal work that Jesus did in our lives and the Holy Spirit is doing eternally. Jesus said the kingdom is in you. The kingdom is not just the manifestation, the outward manifestation, but first is in you. You can't manifest the kingdom outside there unless you have faith in you. The kingdom in us, the work of the kingdom in a Christian is more important, more important than any other thing. Because what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What? So we must be aware of the king that rules and reigns in our lives. Of the power that walketh in us. Of what that power does in us. We must be aware of what, what Christ has made us to be. We must be aware of our spirit existence. We must be aware of the spirit reality of who we are. The kingdom where we belong is a, it's not of this world. It's a spirit kingdom. We must be aware of the presence of Christ in us. We must train ourselves to be aware of the spirit part of force. The things that you see are made by the things you don't see. You must be interested in the things you don't see. Must be. So now we're talking about Christ in us. Look at um, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do a thing abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to that power that worketh in us. These people are aware of this power working us. Christ in us. The glory of God. The power of God. Christ in us. Walking in us. Keeping us. Christ in us. In verse 21, he said, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And then we say, Amen. And secondly, we must be aware of the new man. Again, many Christians think this is not important. They don't even lend the attention to it. Because, you know, they're all over the place. <laughs> they're all over the place. How can you live your Christian life without what God gave you to live it with? How can you neglect what grace provided you? The new man God made you. How can? When we neglect these things, how do we live, how do we live in victory over sin? How do we overcome the devil? How do we even pray successfully? I want to tell you something. You are a spirit. I'm a spirit being. You must know from today, if you didn't know it, you must be aware that you are not just a natural being, that you are a spirit being. You are a spirit being. You are a spirit being. You can say to yourself, I am a spirit being. You must be aware of these things. Otherwise, your Christianity is religion. First Thessalonians 5, 23. And the very God of peace...
sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what Jesus is saying. Your spirit, your soul, your body. You are a spirit and has a soul and just lives in a body. That's what you are. But we are more aware of the body than of the spirit. And the body dies. The body is carnal. God does not relate with you through this thing that will go to the grave and decay. He created you a new man and he lives in you. He communicates with that spirit in you. Who is you? The real you. You are a spirit being. The new creature is a spirit being. Second Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent, see what they called it. We are more aware of the tent than the person that lives in the tent. When this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body. We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. The, 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 spirit, the Holy Spirit said, this is a tent. It's going to be taken down. We, you, you are a spirit living in a tent. That's who you are. The Christian must be aware of these things. That's Christianity. You must be aware that God made you a new man, a hidden man, a spirit being that lives in a tent. Second Corinthians four sixteen to 18. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, see, our spirits are being renewed every day. These people were aware of these things. For our pre present troubles are small and won't last very long. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 16, from 16 I'm reading. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We don't look at the things we see now. There are things we don't see. We look at the things that we do not see. We look, but the things we cannot see will last forever. You look at the things you cannot see. You look at Christ in you. You look at the new man you are. Train yourself to do so. If you look at Christ in you and look at the new man you are created to be like him, look at all the promises fulfilled in, for you that is a work in you, that the spirit of God is, is, is manifesting in you, the power in you is manifesting. If you train yourself that way, it will be difficult for the devil to refocus you away from it to the natural things because you are not too conscious of them. You don't live by them. You live by faith. You don't live by it. You don't live by it. It's not a question of I'm born again now. And they give you one. It's, it's, I can't, they give you one title somewhere and you don't know anything. Let me read it again. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and would last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly awaits them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. What are those things that cannot be seen you are looking at now? What 
are you focusing on? On daily basis. So many Christians are not spirit conscious at all. The new man does not register in them at all. They don't even think about it. They don't think about it as important. And in their, in their mindset, it doesn't even, it's not an issue at all. Question is, how can your life change when you neglect the grace of God that changes you, that has changed you? How can? When you neglect the change that God himself made. How can you win spiritual battles? And how do you overcome your sins and the emotions if your trust is in you and not in the things given to you for this life and godliness? How will fear not rule your life? How will it not rule your life? So we must be more conscious, more aware of the spirit life than the natural life. That's how you begin to behold his glory. When you see these awesome things he did for you on the cross, when you see his presence in you, by, because these things are spiritually designed, when you train yourself to constantly behold him, behold him, behold the new man that created to be like him, the Bible says he transformed you into that image. Jacob, uh, the, Jacob knew this. He did it with animals when they are mating, producing life, producing life. You look at Jesus, produce, you produce, he produces life. You, you, become, you become a living word. Your life becomes the word alive. So what we look is very important. I took time to emphasize this so that the Christian will focus properly. Where the scripture says to look at those things that are not seen, so you know what you're supposed to be looking at. When you behold the glory of Jesus, how you see it, is Christ in you? How you see it, is the works he did in you? Is the, is the, is the promises he fulfilled for you? You look at them. Then your life begins to be transformed into those things he fulfilled on your behalf. Again, I want to remind us again about the language of faith. It says what God says. From God's point of view, not man's point of view. That is the devil's most dangerous trap, is to make you look from man's point of view and you begin to say what men say. You cannot afford that. Again, if you are looking at what God says, if you are looking at what God says, you are looking at Christ, looking at what, what he achieved for you, the new man you are, the new man you are, if you are looking at that, there is no chance. It's difficult for the devil to refocus you. Because you are seeing a glory that is amazing. You are seeing a glory that can't compare with anything. This world cannot even charm you anymore. It cannot charm you anymore. You are seeing a glory far surpassing anything this world can produce. So the language of faith, which we said, says exactly what God says because he's describing what he's seeing. He's describing what the Spirit of God is revealing to him. And faith praises before there is even a reason for it to, to praise. Faith will praise even before there is a reason for it. John eleven forty one. 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast had me. What a minute. What is it? What? Why is he thanking him? Why is it? Lazarus is still dead. 
So why, why is the tank? Why the tank? Faith praises in confidence of what God has said and what he knows God has done. You have heard me. If it's me, oh my God, that's time to pray more. You know, you go and check. What did the doctor say? They say, ah, you pray more. <laughs> no, you check again. Sometimes we text, text time and send God text. Say, remember me. Bless you, God. You are good, though. All that is to say, don't forget me. Backhand doubt. doesn't work that way. Faith praises because he knows what God has done. So you say, thou hast had me, 42. And I knew that thou hearest me always. Because, but because of the people who stand by, I said it, that they might believe that thou hast sent me. Praise will come even when there is no reason for it. Because he knows what God has said. Look at 2 Chronicles 20. From verse. From verse 20, I think. Ali. Okay, I'm reading a, a different New Living Translation. From verse 20. Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Yeah, into the wilderness of Tekoa on the way. Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all of you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord, your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in the Lord, your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Where have you seen people go to battle with praise? Singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. They are not even calling God to deal with the enemies. They're just praising God. That's amazing. That's faithful. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord, his faithfulness, his faithful love endures forever. God is faithful. Just worshiping is faithful. 22, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Sarah, to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. As far as they could see, there was nothing to fight. The battle has been won. Is it not what we think? He has given us victory. May we turn around and fight. The, the only fight we fight is the fight of faith, where you refuse to give up your victory. You refuse to give up your victory. You refuse. You insist on your victory because of the victory that Jesus got for us on the cross. So these people came and they, there was nothing to fight. God has finished it. God fought our battles. Yeah, the battle is the Lord and he did it through Christ. Defeated our enemies. The Bible says all that hate us and all of them. He defeated them, all of them that hate us. So we can now worship him without fear. Without fear. So we should really be people who praise a lot because of what God has done. Faith praises before seeing anything. Then look at Isaiah 59, 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them. Said the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, 
Now out of the mouth of thy seed, now out of the mouth of thy seed, said the Lord from henceforth and forever. So the word of God must be in our mouth. The scripture says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So we must understand that the language of faith is praise. Is praise. Now number three is that faith rests because the work is finished. It is a finished product that exists already. Hebrew 4.3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He said, those who believe do enter into rest. Verse 10, Hebrew 4.10. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. 11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let's say any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Unbelief will rattle you. You won't sleep. You'll be wondering what to do. When the job has been finished, you prayed and God answered. The promises have been fulfilled. But you want to see it to prove it. And so you won't sleep. You start running around all over the place. Let me read it again. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has seed from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Can you imagine that you should labor because the devil will fight you here? He will fight you here. He will say, why are you resting? You should do this, you should do that. But you should say, no, God answered me. Why, how do you know God answered me? Because God says so. If you ask anything according to my will, if you ask in the name of Jesus, if you believe in your heart that you receive it, you shall have it. As simple as ABCD. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to believe God. Isaiah 30, 15. For thus said the Lord God, thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In returning and rest. In returning and rest. In returning and rest. God doesn't need your help. You are not his helper. In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And you will not. Yet every time we talk of finished work of Calvary, if you see what we're talking about, you think we believe it. Oh, finished work of Calvary. Let's teach about the finished work. And we put up all this Pentecostal face. You know, the Lord, finished work of Calvary. Praise the Lord. Don't believe nothing. When the tire meets the road, we worry and bother and they were scattered all over the place like sheep with a shepherd. And our mouth starts talking things that is not scriptures. And yet, finish work of Calvary. He has given us victory. Praise the Lord, brethren. Yeah. Don't believe nothing. Nothing. Cast no action. It's all mental action. So this translates to no fear and no anxiety at all. No agitation of any type. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus said, bring that your labor, bring it to me now. I'll give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for a meek and lowly heart. And you shall find rest 
unto your soul. A meek person will trust God. A, Lord, a meek person is somebody who is easily, easily entreatable. He doesn't like The Lord said, okay, I've given you rest, given you a burden. He just accepted. That's a meek person. He said, learn to be meek. Learn to just believe what I told you. Stop being wise in your own eyes. I have something that was happening, you know. And oh well, boy, it would have really rattled me. But by the grace of God, I just, just disregard it. I found out when you disregard this thing, the result. When you take my, believe in me, if you train yourself to focus on Christ and focus on his promises, you won't even know when they resolve. You will not know when the symptoms leave you. You won't, because you're not looking at them. All those things that make you, you, you won't even know when they resolve. You won't even know. You, believe you me, you won't even know. I don't know when symptoms leave me. I can't tell you a particular time. Once I was thinking, I said, yeah, I used to, I used to have this thing. What, what is this? Self? I, was, I had to think to even remember what it was. You learn to do what God said. Live by faith. And you see the glory of God. That's what he said. Only believe you see the glory of God. Manifest for you. Why? Because God is the one doing everything. You are not the one. We are a bunch of receivers. That's all we are. We bring vessels, not a few. God's filling it up with his blessings. So we shall learn to walk in rest, trusting the Lord. Now, the third thing is faith works with patience because he sees the reality and is assured of it and is fully persuaded and waits in joyful expectation. Faith works with patience. Sometimes when things are not working the way we think, we think it's, it's, going, it's, it's over. It's not over. <laughs> it's not over. You know, the songwriter said, if I didn't pass through these things, I wouldn't have known that God can save like this. It's not over. Where did you read that? When things are not working the way we think, we, oh my God. And, and they're just trying to figure out how to solve it. That's, that's the problem. You're not supposed to. Are you the one solving it? You just do your bits and just do the one you're supposed to do and leave the rest to God. Hebrew 11.8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he could, would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Nine, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He was living in tents. Somebody got promised all these things, living in tents in the desert, not even knowing the next thing. Because that, that typical of God is not showing the next thing. Because you, you, you learn to live. Jesus said, give us this that deliberate. You live, you trust him every day. You trust him every day. If you are going to walk with God, learn that you are going to trust him every day. You live by faith. That's God's design. We live by focusing on him. We live by trusting him. God did not design for us to take over from him. He designed for us to depend on him. So you trust him. Give us this that daily bread. So he said, look, don't bother about tomorrow. Sufficient until the day is the word of today. So the man was living in tents, but he was patiently waiting for that place that God has told him. James 5, 11. Behold, we count them happy, quit and do 
You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. You see, you see Job, how he remained patient under pressure, under, under all manner of things, he remained patient. He said, because God pities his children and is of tender mercy. He, it is impossible that God will disappoint anybody that trusts him. It's totally impossible. It's not going to happen. Completely impossible. So we can patiently wait when things are not the way it should be. Just patiently wait. Trust God. Leave it with God. And learn to praise. Learn to dance. Bring out your timbering and begin to dance. You know, people will misunderstand you. They'll misunderstand you. Because they think you, do, you are foolish. Of course, the things of God look foolish now. But they walk. That's the way it works. You receive the things of the kingdom like a child. It even, it's a little children. Little child. It's a little child, just that you do when you receive the things of the kingdom. I always remember my little boy, <laughs> my, uh, 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 my little son, uh, my third, third son, when he was very small. I was just pulling his leg. I didn't even know we were going to America. I said, Onyeka, we are going to America this, this night. I said he forgot it. The next time he had dressed up, <laughs> he was dressed. He said, Daddy, let's go. <laughs> I said, really? I said, well, I said, America, we're going to America. He didn't know there was supposed to be visa. He didn't know there was supposed to be passport. He didn't even ask me about the ticket. Simply because I, was, I simply jokingly said, I said, yeah, we're going to America. He went and dressed up. I came out to go. <laughs> That's the way God said, believe me now. Trust me, like a child. Take the things of the kingdom, not with human wisdom and reasoning. And let me say it here. That if the enemy ever drags you to reason and think, he will defeat you. I don't care how many days you fast. He will defeat you. He will defeat you. He will defeat you anytime. Because God said, don't lean onto your own understanding. It's fickle. It's not what I'm doing. Don't. If the enemy ever takes you and start reasoning things in your head, you won't sleep. He's got you. You start thinking, you're you gone. If he ever makes you think and reason, you are gone. But you drag him by the neck, neck, drag him and say, look at the cross where he defeated you, 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 you devil. Look at where he defeated you, I defeated four. Look at my victory right there. Look at my promises right there. Push, look at it. You defeat him anytime, without effort. You, may, you, de may, you defeat him every single, he can't handle it because it's true. You defeat him every single time. So when you are patiently waiting, it's not because things are not going to work out well. It will work out well. <laughs> At the end, the counsel of God must stand. I can give you testimonies upon testimonies. I've lived this life by the grace of God for years. For years. And I enjoy sleeping in the midst of all of that. Not bothering myself at all. My wife used to say, say this, anywhere you put your head, you sleep. I say, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I? And people think, I don't have a problem. No. Trouble comes to everybody. Serious things come. But you've learned that you are not the one that is your savior. And the one that is your savior said, let me have those things. Give it to me. Give me your burdens and take rest. Go and rest. Let me take it over. Let me handle it for you. And he'll do it better than me. So why should I not sleep? Why shouldn't I sleep? He gave it his brother sleep. I prefer to sleep. Which is good. 
And then when you learn to sleep, you don't you 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 age gracefully. You know, you don't age, you don't age like that. Because you sleep, you're you really fresh. But when you don't sleep and you are worrying all over the place, you you age very badly. Very badly. Pretty soon people think you are 100 years. Because all the gutters are there, you don't sleep, you are not fresh. You lose physically too. So we need to understand that there is patience with faith. There is patience with faith. Faith works by patience. James 5, 11. Oh, sorry, we read that. Romans 15, 5. Now may the God of patience comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Jesus Christ. He said the God of patience. Our God is a God of patience. Look at um, the scripture says, and you have need of patience after you've done the will of God. You have need of patience after you've done the will of God. Now, patience produces character. The, the, another benefit of patience is it produces character in us. You know, you, when, you perf- when you mature in patience, you have self-control. You're able to control yourself, control your mouth. You don't jump into doing things. These are the fruits of the spirit that, that we mature in. Patience produces character in us. Romans 5, 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, experience hope. It brings, it, it, it makes our patience grow. It makes our patience grow. James 1, 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and the entire one thing, nothing. So it brings us to maturity. It makes us mature. We behave like, like Christians. It's not the one that your anger will take over your life. You start boiling. Start boiling and saying things you regret. Patience will make you restrain yourself. It's not just that it allows God to walk in your life, but it also produces this beautiful character of self-restraint, long-suffering, and then controlling your mouth. And then true patience will preserve our souls. Luke 21, 16. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. By your patience, you keep your souls. You keep calm. Under pressure of all this iniquity all over the place, under pressure of being insulted, called a bigot, and sometimes you lose your job because of what you believe. The Bible says, be patient. By your patience, don't lose your soul. Be patient. Possess your souls. Possess your souls. Possess your souls. Don't give up and join them. Be patient. Don't give up your faith and join them. Be patient. By your patience, possess your souls. Patience brings us to maturity. Patience makes faith work. The Bible says we should look at those examples of those who through faith and patience obtain the promise. So that's what the Bible says we should look at. Through faith and patience, they obtain the, the promise. Now, if we lack patience, we get worried. First John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear because fear had torment. Worry is as a result of lack of patience. Murmuring too. Murmuring. First Corinthians 10, 10. Neither murmur ye as some of them 
also, Muhammad, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So you see, the, these things are written for us that are living in the last days. That we shouldn't murmur. You say, Pastor, I don't murmur. But you know, when you complain in your heart about what you're passing through, when you complain and talk about people about all these things, is that murmuring? Is that praise? When you tumble in the night, you don't sleep. What is keeping you awake? What are you thinking? Are you not murmuring in your heart? Complaining somehow? And sometimes you hiss. It's murmuring. I would say we shouldn't murmur. It, it invites the devil in. Just like fear invites the devil in. Murmuring invites the devil in. He said they murmured and they were beaten by snakes. And he said this was written for us to learn. So we must learn to be patient with the Lord. Having done all to stand. Be patient. Faith, through faith and patience, you obtain the promise. Through faith and patience, you obtain the promise. And when we don't have patience, we become vulnerable to the devil. People will deceive us with all manner of things, telling us, pushing us here and there, and then our situation gets worse. And we get into doing things we will regret because we didn't seek the Lord's face anymore. We've lost confidence in the Lord. My prayer is that the Lord will help us to understand these things so that we walk in faith and walk in victory and we see the glory of God every day of our lives. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the word you shared with us to be more conscious of the spirit, the more conscious of Jesus, more conscious of the new man we are, the promises of God, and to walk patiently. Patience being one of the fruit of the spirit. You, still, you, said, you said to us that through faith and patience, you obtain the promises of God. And to bring praises and worship you and praise your faithfulness because you will never disappoint those who trust in you. Father, thank you for reminding us these things. And by your spirit, you will help us to live them out. We give you praise and give you glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. And I want to pray for those who are sick listening to me right now. If you are sick and you believe the Lord is the healer and will heal you, I want to pray for you. I want you to touch yourself where you need the Lord to touch you. I don't heal people. I don't have the power to heal. But Jesus heals. And when we call the name of Jesus, he's there. He's there. His name represents him. So let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege you gave the church to bring the power of your kingdom to the people. Because you love people. You love people. You love people. And so you gave us your son to die. Shed his blood so that your throne will be a throne of mercy. Throne of mercy because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the high priest we have before you. Who is ministering before you with the blood. And so your throne has become a throne of mercy. Where grace is found. I'm praying Lord that you will heal your people who at this time are saying, yes, this is why I need healing. Father, it's of your mercy we are not consumed. Because of the mercy that's flowing from your throne because of the blood of Jesus, I ask that, Father, you extend your merciful hand, your faithful hand, and heal your people of their infirmities. And Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit and in the name of Jesus, every yoke over their life, every bondage of their, over their life, 
is commanded to be broken in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Let the power of your kingdom manifest for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me provide the offering. Precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege of giving. You first gave us, gave us our life, gave us Jesus, gave us friends, gave us your spirit. You gave us all your blessings, all your blessings in heaven. You first gave us. Everything we have, you gave us. Father, we have this privilege to bless you with them, to serve you with what you gave us. As stewards of your blessings, Father, we bring these things to you, an act of love to you, to support your work on earth while we are alive and breathing, to be faithful to you. Receive these gifts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me pronounce these benedictions over you. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all now and forevermore. Amen. Let's share surely. Surely his goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.